Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. I don't even know if Ecuador is... Is it a landlocked country? Does it even have a coast? Who knows? When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. That's Vieira! Absolutely fantastic! Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal! It is just what Thierry Emerico Damian does. Gabriel Martinelli has equalised for the Gunners! Welcome back to the Super Knock Podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend... Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Hello. Football. Football. What a day. Um, okay. Mm. Uh, Arsenal v Fulham. 1-1. Mm-hmm. Strange day. Uh, the news has come out just now about the European Super League, which I'm sure <laughs> sure we we'll will get, get to. Later. Well, that'll um, be a news and views vibe. Yeah, let's stick that news and views. Uh, so stick around for our... <laughs> views on that because I mean, because we've 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 literally just been talking for you, maybe three you, minutes and it's gonna get spicy you'd never guess you'd um, never guess <sighs> yeah listen um I, I was gonna come on here and kind of go one of those days but i think it, it's it's not quite it's it feels slightly different uh to me this doesn't i think the yeah, it's not. It this doesn't feel like a kind of a same old Arsenal November type performance. I think this is a gamble that Mikel p- paid that didn't that didn't come off. Um, but even then, I don't. I I I, I want to caveat that with it didn't come off because people didn't seize their opportunity. Like yeah, we we created perfectly enough to beat that team. We had. Uh, we had an XG of three. They had an XG of 0.8, of which mm. I think something like 0.55 or 0.6 comes from a pe- from a penalty. You know, it it genuinely we Mick, I, I saw a lot of Mikel slander on my timeline, um, and it's just not not the case. You can't like he can't go out there and kick a footballer for these people, can he? Like. No, no, he can't. Unfortunately, I think he might have been better than El Nani at times today. Um, but listen, oh. I just, I just think there was a look. We're at a point in the season where there's priorities, right? And we have a situation mm. where we're three games away from qualifying for the Champions League. That's a fact. We can't ignore that. And as much as we can go yeah. on, on around saying, well, it's you know, it's freshness, it's it's whatever, it's you know, we we chose the right players to win the game. Decisions like playing Matt Ryan, decisions like sticking on Nenny in and keeping Party out. You can't tell me that this guy isn't prioritising the Europa League, which is which. If I'm in his situation, I would do as well. Of course, um, of course. But, but then, I think there was a way to, to do that. Other players. But I think because there was a if way. You're to... gonna... Sorry, you go, you go. There was a way to do that. There was a, definitely a way to do that, and I think. Um, the manner in which, uh, again, I think late substitutions, like I think I, I often come on this podcast and kind of go, well, you know, the players, the players, the players. And I, and I think the players have to take some accountability, but my kind of, we need some kind of shift. We should call it some kind of like the blame shifter or whatever. My blame shifter just goes up a couple of notches to Mikel for this, because I, I think when you, when you drop a, a functioning, um, sense back partnership for what seems like no reason when you bring Bellerin back in for what appears to be just rotation when I think um, you know Bellerin when you found a winning in- formula I don't understand why you don't just stick with it and I understand he needs to rotate something but get the game one get get done 60 minutes and then bring on Martinelli bring on yeah. whoever bring on El Nenny it just felt a little bit presumptuous and I think it's a it's and the reason I I probably say I feel as though this is Mikel's fault and, and I'm worried about it is if we don't get the Europa done, days like today look very, very, very silly. Of course. The issue with that is, say we play a party and, you know, and we've we've got case in point in Lacazette. 
We've played Lacazette again. He's played a lot of minutes and he's gone down with a hamstring injury that could keep him out mm. for the next kind of two to three, maybe even four weeks if it's serious and not just but, a slight issue. Obviously, I don't think to, we know. So to jump in that. just on Lacazette, that that doesn't happen if you start with a full strength side. And then if you know Lacazette's in the red zone, you take him off. Of course, but it's a question of whether he should have been playing anyway and whether Saka should have been playing anyway. I, and I, I would agree with you. And it's almost ironic because it's almost like we've coin flipped and I'm not blaming Arteta at all for this. <laughs> and you slightly, you are more than I am, I think. But we created more than enough with the players on the true. pitch to have that game won by 45 minutes in. You know, the it, the first goal uh, that's been disallowed... Rightly so. I mean, it's it's difficult when they're not using straight on camera angles and the lines are just like drawn with a highlighter and they're so thick that you can't see any degree of kind mm. of separation. It becomes really difficult to tell. But if you naked eye the the first Saka decision, it looks like his foot's ahead of it. Now, as a fan, am I annoyed that that's offside? Yes, because that moment has given no advantage to Arsenal. Saka's foot being in an offside position has actually put him at a disadvantage because he's going the other way to chase the ball. So that's that's a frustrating yeah. moment. But rules are rules. What we need to be annoyed about and what we need to change is the offside rule. The second one where um, Martinelli has it in the back of the net as well. It, it, Smith Rowe is clearly offside. So it's it's frustrating that we've had those two moments where, you know, two goals, one could have been onside. It's, it is a moment of contention and then one is definitely. But even after that, there were a lot of chances. Like I've got written down the uh, the Gabby Martinelli chance where no one is in that central zone and it's a cutback, I think, by Saka. It's a perfect cutback into the middle of the box and no one is there. And then Martinelli rushes back to it and Ceballos is rushing towards it. And Martinelli has to do this weird 180 shot and gets no power on it. And then Ceballos starts shouting at him. And then I watch the replays and Ceballos doesn't call for it. Ceballos doesn't shout, leave it. He doesn't say anything. So I want to come back to that, Ceballos. Yeah. We, we had so, so, so many opportunities to win and bury this game within 45 mm. minutes that as much as I agree with you, this was a gamble. Starting Matt Ryan, I think, sends a message after that Burn Leno interview where he says, oh, I might be looking for a new thing or whatever. And we start Bellerin because we're trying to sell him in the summer. So if you're talking about a game that realistically you should be winning anyway and that you should have won anyway, it isn't. It's the, the the players need to take a hell of a lot of responsibility today for not finishing those chances. And I I struggle to lay any more than kind of 10% maybe of the blame at Mikel. And that's purely because of, you know, again, late substitutions and all of that malarkey. Yeah, I, I, I just... Um... I feel like I'm playing Bradley Adams on this podcast. <laughs> we, we completely swapped. I know, swapped right? General opinions. The, the the feeling from my end, uh, I think when you know you have a group who do what they do in holding Bellerin, Shaka, Sabios, El Nenny, those guys, right? And then and then you're relying on Saka, Smithrow, and Martinelli to be your creative fulcrums, to be your attacking threat mm-hmm. and they are brilliant of course they are but they're 20 19 and 19 like or whatever um, martinelli is i think when you're in that position you have to look at yourself as a manager and go okay but am i am i sending these boys out in the best possible way because from my perspective and, and i and i just want to reiterate what i say i understand that these boys had the opportunities they absolutely had the the the, the opportunities to put them away they should be beating Fulham. That team should be beating Fulham. But ultimately, when you're a manager who knows what he has and knows how this team performs and knows what this team is like, mm-hmm. you know a game, especially after your, a big European game, it's going to be difficult. So send them out there, all guns blazing, straight out, get it won, and then get them off. And yeah, and I'm not 100%. saying, I'm not saying, you know, obviously they should be doing better, but you know these guys, you know what Bellerin's like, you know what Tobias is like, you know what Elneny's like. But even then, and we can, even when and knowing we can sit what they're here like, we and go, enough. of course, but, but we can sit here and go, oh, you know, 
they should be doing better and blah, 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 blah. Fine. But we've been saying that for years now about these guys. And it, 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 it doesn't, it, it's just like, well, you get what you're given, basically. And I think we, we got what we, what we paid for and we literally paid for in the transfer market. Yeah. No, listen, I get what you're saying. And I, 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 I think that that's, it's really astute what you mentioned about kind of, you know, um, we know what these guys are like, but even and uh, even when we know what these guys are like, we have created enough and we have done yeah. enough to win the match other than put the ball in yeah. the back of the net. I just, and which yeah. is why I, I, I do struggle to kind of go, it's anything but the players on the pitch's fault because, you know, Fulham are a team that, you know, we batted 3-0 start of the season and though they've been on a bit of a resurgence we should have had no problem with the lineup putting two, three past them. And the, and we didn't have um, any issues in creating those opportunities. I think the, the one thing, like you say, that kind of was a bit strange for me was the, the changing of the defensive partnership, uh, bringing Gabriel Magalhaes for Pablo Mari. But I think this conversation really exists in a vacuum because... Say, for example, we start a Pablo Mari or a Thomas Party. I think Pepe probably should have started because he played very well in midweek. And I don't think he started the last Premier... Did he start against Sheffield United? Don't think so. I'd Did have to start... check, but I don't think so. Yeah. Check. I'm not sure whether... Let's check so we actually... so we fully know. Um, you go, you go, you go, I'll check. If he hasn't started, you've got a player in Saka who's started game after game after game. You've got Lacazette who's been starting since, you know, Aubameyang's been injured. Well, sick. But if these players do go down with an injury, like we've seen with Lacazette today, say that's... Yeah, he started Sheffield. I don't think he started Sheffield. So he started two games in a row and has then been dropped. But I don't think that that's really any excuse because, you know, Saka's started pretty much every bloody game this season, apart from, say, four. Um... But say we start Thomas Partey, a player who we've been complaining isn't back to full fitness, yet has struggled with his game recently, and he goes down, and then we miss him for both Villarreal games. That's a big, big loss. And I understand the kind of thought process of, you know, it only looks smart if we win the Europa League, but we have to be in it to win it, and we have to have the best opportunities to win it. And... There Which is why are... I say I don't. I don't think it paid off. But yeah, listen. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it paid off. But I. I would. It's. I think it's about responsibility again. I do lay some of the blame at Mikel's feet, but I think, yeah. you know, the the lack of clinical finishing from this team, a team that had eighteen shots versus Fulham's three. You know, the, a team that's had seventy percent of the ball, to not manage to get any other goal other than when our goalkeeper's gone up for a corner and headed it across the box or whatever. Prime Teddy Sheringham. Do, do you get what I... Like, I think that is the most yeah. despicable part of it. And that's why, you know, this result for me, I'm a bit seething. And I, I, it come, it, I, we can get into the actual nitty gritties of the match and why it's played out the way it's played out. But yeah, there is Listen, a big issue in this squad that needs turning to, over. The fact that Mohamed Elneny is still starting in a starting... Like is still part of a starting yeah. eleven, and rather a fourth, fifth choice option that can come on for the final ten minutes is exactly the reason that uh, this happens, and exactly yeah. the yeah. reason that Arsenal are in the state that they're in. Go to my Twitter; I've retweeted it. There is a moment where it's the fucking clearest ball, right? That he's Smith just Rowe. got a pass with his yeah. right foot Smith through Rowe's to human. Smith Rowe, yep, 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 and yep, he takes off. it with his weaker foot. Backwards and left. That is the issue and that is why we're regressing. What you said there, listen, two different perspectives on it. I blame Arteta a bit more. You blame players a bit more. Ultimately, we know this squad isn't right and we've been here before. Um, I just think it's this... Squad building, squad building, squad building. Yeah, squad squad building, squad building. building. But today, yeah, yeah, listen. Uh, So Arsenal won, Fulham won at the Emirates. Um, We've kind of discussed the lineup. Um. I, th- I thought we actually set up quite well. We were in this sort of nice sort of 4-3-3, which I think actually Arteta wants as, as 70 times he wants to play. Again, another reason why I say uh, stick with stick with what's working. I think we kind of had Elneny at the base and then sort of Sabahis on the left and Smithrow on the right of two kind of attacking eights, which, listen, 
so Bias has occupied those zones before, but we had Party playing that role before. And when mm. you don't have someone, when you have someone like El Nenny, who, yes, absolutely, who is not able to play forward, not able to break the lines, uh, seemingly not press unable, resistant, not press resistant, it makes that whole system start to be redundant. And the biggest, and and again, the reason I'm I'm slightly more on the side of the Arteta thing is. When you set up a team where Fulham were basically sat in two banks of five, right? Or pretty much, you know, five, three, two, or whatever mm. it was. You can call it call it what you want. They were sat in a low block defending a lot of the game. When you're relying on holding Xhaka, Elneny, and listen, Gabriel has has a ball in him, but he's not he's not certainly not at the level of David Luiz and certainly not at the level of, of, of the best centre-backs in the world at doing it. No, he's not when Virgil you, van Dijk spraying balls left, right and centre. When you are relying on them to be your playmakers, essentially, Sabios mm. and Smith Rowe are dropping deep. It's a, it's a disconnection. And what you see is you have almost a line or the three in the build-up. So, you know, be it Xhaka and Holding and um, and, and Gabriel or Elneny, or maybe even the four in the kind of build-up. Lacazette and Smithrow have to drop deep because they can't they can't play those distances. They've been pulled out of position, and then you turn around. If you turn around, normally you just knock it to the side. Then you turn around, and you've got basically two rows in front of you, and we were struggling to penetrate. And that's that's why for me, and, and not to relitigate the argument, but you can't. You have to work with the tools you have. We know what we have. Yeah. We know we know who these guys are. We know who these guys are, and we and we can't expect them to play the same way we have to work out a different way and mm-hmm. um yeah listen I, I i like this setup i like what we were doing with that nice 4-3-3 um i think it was quite clear and, and nice and structured but yeah it seemed seemed strange um and, and balls over the top from from gabrielle and holding again and, yeah and it's going there was, why there are you why are you moments. playing this when they don't do that that's not what they do yeah and like like i want i've got the first note that i've got written down and I think you've asked this question before. Does the long ball from kickoff ever work? No. Because all it's... we do is give is give them the possession. <laughs> it makes right. no sense. Yeah. And yeah. Like I'm, and I, I think like you say, when we've got El Nenny at the base where all he does is go backwards or sideways, having those two eights doesn't work because we have no one to feed them the ball. And then it's like you're playing with two different... It's it's honestly like you're playing rugby or like you're playing American football where you have your backs and you have your forwards. And party in that system is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is the... And, you know, he is the person to create that connection between phases and Elneny just can't do it. Yeah. Which is obviously a squad issue, which we've talked about, but... I understand. I understand. I think that we set up well enough and we've done enough, but the fact that we didn't take those, we like. I I feel like we've done just enough to deserve to win this game. Whereas I think if we had that party c- connecting those lines, we would have. We would. I, I I really believe we would have because we wouldn't have seen so many clunky phases of play like that mm. fucking Smith Rowe moment where it's yep. clear. Like Smith it's Rose clear to as well. anyone so that obvious. that is the ball that's on. And he makes Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. phenomenal, and for we've it's exposed them, and it's easy, and all the hard work's done. And if party's mm-hmm. there, that ball's through, and Smith rows through on goal, yeah. and he can either square it or he can shoot it. But yeah, it, it just <sighs> it, it was. <laughs> It's so. It, I think Same. this is like the frustration <laughs> one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, was yeah. frustrating more than anything because this was a chance to capitalise. You know, Tottenham are in disarray. They're dropping points left, right, and centre. We win this, and we go two points below them. We're now four points back again. Um, mm. You know, Everton just had a draw, and we've got them next Friday. So if we win this and then beat them, we can leapfrog them. Now, yeah. if Leeds United win their game in hand against Liverpool, which is absolutely possible with how piss poor Liverpool have been at points mm-hmm. this season, they go above us. Villa win one of their two games in hand, they go above us, and we're back down to eleventh. Like it's just this season. Our newly promoted just, like, side above us. It's 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 well going to be above us. It's it's mind boggling. Um, listen, I, I want to because they have a more experienced manager who's who's used to working with shit. Like 
He's been at that club and worked with the absolute... Sh- like, Leeds have got a championship-level club, a t- championship-level team at points. Like, some of their players are fucking horrible, but they've been coached by a very experienced manager who knows mm. how to get the best out of these mm. players. Mm. Our mm. issue always has been that our playing staff is not good enough and we have an inexperienced manager. That manager's going to get better, but he- we do need better players to be getting yeah. anywhere near the conversations and that can, we need to be. And can we wait for that? Can we wait for that? Um, yeah. It was nice to see Scott Parker celebrating his 100th game in charge with the world's worst cardigan. I think that was the shittest cardigan I've ever seen. He looked like he'd just come from like a street party for Prince Philip. I mean, it was absolutely yeah. diabolical. Um, yes. Uh, I do want to highlight Sabahos actually because he pissed me off this game. Sabahos pisses me he off pisses anyway, me right? off every game, mate. Yeah, he pisses me <laughs> off every- <laughs> Same shit. He pisses me off every game, right? But this game specifically, okay, there was uh, a moment with... I've got it written down. There was a moment with Martinelli um, where Martinelli went for the shot uh, and Sabahos was pissed off because he didn't... Yeah, it's the moment the I'm shot talking away, about because he, sh- yeah, he didn't leave it for him. Took, yeah. took the shot away from him. There was a moment where Sabahos puts a corner in. It's an in-swinger. Way too high. Ariola, who had a great game, by the way, and you told me before to watch uh, to watch him and he was fantastic. Um, and he's an interesting one, but squad builder, squad building. Um, I need a little <laughs> siren. Um, squad builder, squad builder, squad builder, squad builder. Um, puts it in and he catches it and then Sabahos goes, for fuck's sake, at everyone. You put the ball in his fucking hands. No, no player is getting there ahead of the keeper if you're going to loop it over to the six-yard box two feet, feet in front of the keeper. And then yeah, there was another he's... one where Martinelli, um, he puts it out, I think he puts, uh, Sabahos puts it out of play where Martinelli's clearly making a run down the line and he gets annoyed at him again. I'm like, Firstly, Michaelis said, he said when he came in, I think, we don't want to see players getting angry at each other, raising their arms. We don't want to see that. Make a statement. Take him off. You don't get, you don't, when, you, especially when, it's I can understand. Fault. If you're Saka, right? If you're Saka, you've been carrying the team all season. You've been, you know, you're a 19-year-old. I would understand him putting in a cross, no, an amazing cross, no one getting in the end of it, him going for fuck's sake, but he never does. So Bios or, or plays like the, the ball out of fucking... Or moment. Well, like oh, the yeah. Smith Rowe moment yeah. where he's offside. No, no, not even that, but the Smith, the Smith, the second goal that's ruled out, he's offside. Whatever. Bellerin doesn't follow the run for the tap in, and he doesn't know it's offside. Like Bellerin you, just listen. doesn't doesn't make the run centrally, and you could totally understand Smith through Smith through Smith Rowe who's coming in December and revel like absolutely galvanised the way that we're playing because we finally have a number ten right. He's been playing brilliantly. Yeah. He's darted through. Say he's onside and he chips it over, and Bellerin doesn't just make the run for the tap in. You could totally understand him yeah. shaking the Spanish Dua Leaper's head, saying, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Genuinely, and it's it's you, and you could, can understand these players, but Sabios, who yeah. has the positional awareness of Helen Keller, just genuinely, <laughs> genuinely can't get annoyed at anyone, can't stick to a position on the pitch, can't pass a ball. All he does is turn like he's a Beyblade into different players. Like, <laughs> what are you getting angry at, mate? You are the problem, and I literally. I've got one, two, three, four notes in, four notes in, right? And this is literally like five minutes into the game. I've just written, I beg we don't sign Sabios because he's fucking terrible, man. You said it. You said it, mate. Like, it angers just, me so much. No, it angers me so he's much. He's like a man. fucking moth. To, it's like the ball is a light and he's a moth. And it's just like no tactical awareness, no positional awareness, no progression. Just fucking dreadful. And then he gets angry. And then Just I go, vibes. Okay. And then I go... Pure vibes, oh, mate. Listen, hey, we've all been in positions where we're out of our depth. People listening to this podcast might think these two boys are out of their depth. They don't know what they're fucking talking about. Fair enough. But what I will never do is get angry <laughs> for, for other people not being good at their jobs when I'm shit at my job. What the fuck yeah. is... What are you on about? What are you... Yeah. How, have you no shame? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It gets to... <laughs> Uh, do you think you're that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. Also, who do you think you're crossing to? Lacazette's five foot nine, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of Fulham, by the way, on Scott Parker's lovely cardigan, some good players. Anguissa, yeah, Tidy, Zambo, Anguissa, well. Lamina. 
Ada Rabio um, has some lovely hit some lovely balls into Lookman again, who's 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 decent. Yeah. They're worth a look. They're worth a look. Joachim Anderson, who's on loan from, I think it's Leon. Did you see? I think it's Leon. Did you see post game? I retweeted it when he kicked over the sanitizing station in the Emirates um, tunnel. No, it's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. It's like so. It's I I I don't trying to like compare it to something. It's it's no it's, it, no but oh, literally no but literally <laughs> it's like he he like sort of he thinks about it for a second, which is always the worst thing. Don't think about kicking something over. Just do it. Like so I'm going to show a, how impassioned I am. Yeah, he was like, right, what should I? How can I? Right, and then he sort of and it sort of t- t- tilters on it before it falls over because he doesn't hit it hard enough, and it's just so tragic. And there's a guy there clearly just doing his job, like waiting for the players to you know come out of the press office or whatever. He just picks it up. It's just, it's so tragic. Fuck's sake. Yeah, um, but they, no, they have they have got some good players. You know, Angisa, I'd love for our midfield. I think he'd be great. Um, Harrison Reed, who I think they've got on loan from Southampton, good one. Wacky Anderson, yeah. Adarabio, like you said, Ariola. You know. Um, Fulham are down. Like there's a ma- there's a massive cushion with Newcastle now. I think the only people that they could probably logistically catch is Burnley, yeah. if Burnley go through a torrid run of it. And um, lost at United. Yeah, so I I do think Fulham are down, and if Fulham are down, Ariola, I-, I said to you at PSG has been loaned out, isn't wanted. He's better. I'd sign him over Leno. I'd take him. Mm, you know, mm, he's mm. he's he's tall. He's commanding. He can pass the ball, and he made some phenomenal saves today. And I think, to be fair, that's probably just recency bias in that we've seen mm. him like literally clear it off the line for his team. But speaking of keepers, on fire today, Brad. Um, Matt Ryan. Yeah, I thought it was all right. So, I I'm not going to lie. I'm not some huge keeper aficionado. I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. He really affected the game differently to Leno. But what I did notice was of his line much quicker, much quicker Mm -hmm. um, distributing the ball. Didn't have much Mm -hmm. to do in terms of saves. Got the knock on for the, for the, um, for the 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 equaliser. There we are. And like, he's also aerially better than Leno there's a bit more anticipation there's a moment where he claims the ball where like you say because he is that half step or step quicker off of his line he's to the cross quicker what you see a lot with Leno is Leno flapping his hands or punching the ball away rather than mm. catching it and it is because he's not there quick enough so yeah. instead of being in a in a and I'm gesturing on a on an audio platform <laughs> but instead of being in a place where like you can at least you it, said it <laughs> Yeah, he's out here. Leno is constantly with outstretched arms, which again, with the flight of the ball, if it knocks into, it's just likely to spill out of. So he always goes for the punch. And that's always, that's not always because, you know, that this is just absolute hyperbole. But um, he, he does, there's, there seems to be a more, bit more anticipation, a bit more yeah. speed. Yeah. Um, he's okay. But again, he's not good enough to be starting at a top six Premier League club. And that's the same with half of these fucking players. So, no, but uh, encouraging. And so, you know, I'm not sat there going, you know, we don't need a new keeper. We've got Matt Ryan. Lifelong it's, Arsenal it's, fan as well. It's encouraging. He'll be buzzing with that goal, by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> he'll be pretending he scored it. Did he Did he get the assist? He got the pre-assist because it was from, he, he nodded it to Saka, I think he shot, or maybe someone on the right-hand side. Yeah. Um, and then Nkessia puts him. Um we were offside a lot in this game. There was a lot of offsides. Uh, I couldn't really tell whether it was kind of Fulham doing a number on us or us being idiots, but it did piss me off a little bit. We, we felt like we were offside, especially Martinelli and Saka. And I suppose when those are the only the real outlets, um, and I think, to be honest, a lot of it came from Smith-Rowe. Um, and Smith-Rowe being... A whiz again. Um, I think, and also I think just he's about a, t- a step too quick. I think Smith Rowe's about to explode goals wise. I think he he's got this lovely technique of letting a ball the ball like run across his body before he takes it on, uh, which just opens up a yard of space. Like if you're coaching kids on a Saturday or whatever to to play football, that's like you know it's just perfect. Like the te- technically, he just it's what party does. Some players take it on their... Say you're passing to me from the left-hand side. They take it on their left left side and then 
bring it to their right and then look at their options, whatever. Smith. We were offside five times. That was a, that's a, that's a hearty amount. Like that's not. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, and it was all pretty quick in the first half as well. I imagine most of them came in the first half. But yeah, the um, allowing the ball to roll across you just opens up that bit of space. It doesn't mean you take three, four, five, six, seven, eight touches, Danny Ceballos. And he's just got this nice control around him. And he's always going to have a bit of space, mm. especially in those areas and pockets of space around the goal. And I think if he sorts out his long range, yeah. just, uh, long range shots, and if he sorts out sort of... Often he drifts around, um, becoming the creative spark. And I think when he's got more creative players and more players who he knows, you know, for example, like Martinelli, you don't fucking know where he's going to be. So you need to, you kind of need to occupy space sometimes. When he's got a bit more of a defined position, I think he's mm. going to absolutely explode. Um, he's he's sensational, mate. And I, again, I think, you know, we said it with Callum Chambers in the last episode and we say it with him now. Him being so good at the moment makes me go, well, maybe depending on whether... Madrid want 60 70 million for Odegaard it wouldn't be the worst thing to just put that money elsewhere and I I, I say that purely as a testament to how good Smithrow has been when he's come in and when the kid like there is a bright future at Arsenal we're all frustrated fans and I think that there are a lot of reasons behind that we've slept sleepwalked into ridiculously stupid deals like reloaning Danny Ceballos, like giving a Bamiang another three-year deal on 350 grand a week and then not creating a system to get the best out of him until December because Abamyang's XG and numbers and statistics have gone marketably up since that game against Chelsea. You know, we've had issues with Tierney's fitness, with Party's fitness. There are still issues with Pepe in the, you know... Him not getting a good enough run of games is something that is frustrating, especially when he has helped dominate and gotten a goal and an assist against the Slavia Prague side. Now, Slavia Prague, if in the Premier League, would be relegated, you know, and anyone, any um, person listening that thinks that that's wrong, name me three Czech Republic teams. You can't. That Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Farmers League. Do you know what I mean? Like... It's just bullshit. Like, they would be relegated. They would. They've got, like, two players. We f- we we flattered them. They beat Rangers, who, again, would probably be a, a mid-to-bottom-half Premier League team, and they beat Leicester when they had a ridiculous amount of injuries. So, I'm, I've forgotten where I'm going. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I was just started nearly... Slap- I, I was just, just started slagging off Slavia Prague so much that I just completely future, forgot. You were going on future, then Arsenal, then you somehow got to Slavia Prague. It yeah. started with bright there future. A, there is a bright future at the club, you know. Uh, Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli. Of... <laughs> it's a perfect example of Tangents FC. No, but also uh, what I love about you. What I love about oh. you, Brad, is you is you like word associates. You, you were like the thing about windows is they're really clear and clear. So skin, you should get you should get clearer skin and skin. Oh, so if you notice on your iPhone, you've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way my brain works, mate. I love it. Creative brain. Lit. We get Creative more bang brain, for our buck. That's what we get, Brad. Um, what was I going to say? Yes, uh, we should discuss the goal, uh, or the goal that wasn't. Uh, good header from Ceballos. It was after a decent bit of play as well, some nice nice balls in. Um, listen, yeah. I don't want to relitigate the VAR conversation because it's going to it's it. Things are going to change with VAR. We know that's yeah. going to happen. It's There's been discussions with the Premier League clubs. There's going to be changes with the VAR. I hope they make the right changes, whether it's the offside rule, whatever. Listen, the offside rule definitely needs changing. The fact yeah. that Saka's uh, toes offside is yeah. ridiculous. Like, no one yeah. gets an advantage from that. I think the only thing I will say on it is they need to be very, very, very careful. Because I think there's a sense, and we'll, we'll discuss this when we talk about the European Super League in, in News and Views. There's a sense I get that the Premier League and the FA and the, the powers that be, and I think it's very, you know, the, the the Premier League, who do you mean? The Premier League. People in power mm. at the Premier League who are in control of this um, have this kind of, not arrogance, but sort of, you know, well, the fan will always watch. The fan will always watch. The NBA... Oh, yeah, they, they showed that when they tried to charge us £15 a fucking game to watch it last season. Yeah, and listen... The, 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 and 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 sometimes you're right. Like you can push, you can push fans and push fans and push fans. But when you take away the one thing that everyone loves, that ball going in the back of the net, and you get in that moment of celebration, do not underestimate the long term impact of that. Do not. 
because you will lose fans. And if this is, and um, Clive mm. on the Arsenal Vision podcast said this, it's a great point. If this was an American sport and the ratings were going down, that would change immediately. So just, I think we just need to be very careful on, uh, specifically on VAR. A hundred percent, you know, and we, I've had, I've had personal moments of that and you've had personal moments of that. Like I remember, like I, mean, I, I texted are you about it I think late. I mentioned it. <laughs> but yeah, no, fair enough. It is probably being streamed from somewhere in Dubai or Kazakhstan. Um, but no, like literally in the Slavia Prague game, I sent you a message and I abs- I celebrated the tits off of that first goal that got disallowed. And I tell you, every single goal after that, I didn't celebrate until I knew it was 100% a goal. And like you say, that has a massive knock-on effect on fans, on mentality. And loyal fans and people that are that love the game like i love watching football like i would sit here and watch man united burnley even though i don't have an affiliation to either club because i like watching football people who are casual fans who only watch their team and only support their team and don't yeah. really give a shit about football and sort of go will oh, the game's stop on. watching yeah. Yeah. they'll stop watching yeah. you will lose the casual fan base amongst football and that's where the money is because i'm not gonna pay i've been streaming this shit since fucking day dot mate and that's why pubs open that's why pubs show it and that's why people get into like world cups the the long 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 term impact of that is huge and you mm-hmm. don't you you can't underestimate that yeah i know i like you have been straight. I normally text Brad like great goal and he's like, Oh, the lineup's out. Um so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, very true. So second half, um weird moment at the very beginning where they doubled up on our left hand side and they tried they they tried to copy us from our kickoff, which was strange. Um Nice little stat, which was the second half conceded, which is now changed. The second half, we have conceded the equal least amount of goals. Now we've gone to 14, but we were at 13 uh, equal with City and Chelsea and United were on 14. What do you think that is? Like, why why do um, we concede so few goals in the second half? Is that an indication that Arteta is a good coach? Is it just that we wake well, up? I think defense, like, if you look at the defensive stats of, like, shots faced per game, of clear-cut opportunities faced per game, it is clear that Arteta has done a good job of sorting us out defensively across pretty much across the board so far the the thing is is he can't stop stupid fucking moments that will shoot us in the foot like granite jacker assisting chris wood and all of these things that you know as arsenal fans we know we've seen no point talking about them we this season what it feels like we've done compared to last season is we've sacrificed our attack to fix our defense and last season we felt really open but we had a few opportunities to score goals here and there. Whereas this season, it's felt like we're going to get three shots. And if we score one, great. If not, we're playing for a nil-nil draw kind of vibe, Mm. especially at the start of the season. And I think when it comes to that second half thing, they've normally had an absolute haranguing from Mikel. They've normally been absolutely screamed at. And I think that it is a different mentality if you're... And also, by that point, you could be 2-0 up, 3-0 up. It depends on the mentality of the opponent that you're facing. For example, if we're facing Chelsea or Tottenham and they are 2 or 3-0 up at half-time against us, they're beating us 2 or 3-0, we're not going to really face any shots in the second half. They're going to set up shop. They'll maybe occasionally break on the counter, but they're going to defend their lead because... That is going to make life more difficult for us because if they come at us, we can counter them. They might be open and then we might see moments where, you know, it's like that Newcastle game where we were 4-0 up and then they brought it back to 4-4. It's because we kept attacking them. We kept going and we kept going and we kept going. As soon as that game got to 4-2, we should have brought on two more defenders and just sat back in a bank of 11 and just said, come on. Because you just... you, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That game is a disgrace. Um... But I think that it's a really difficult and loaded question because every single second half is so unique Mm. in the, um, I think, I think he is a good defensive coach. I think he has improved us defensively. Our issues haven't really been with our defense. Our issue have been is that Aubameyang's got like eight Premier League goals this season and we, we aren't scoring enough. 
rather than yeah. we're conceding too many because most yeah. of our our defeats aren't three four nil thrashings they're not yeah. f- four three or three two losses yeah. it's one one draws or one nil losses yeah. where we've passed the ball into Ollie Watkins and he scored kind of vibe rather yep. than we've been absolutely trounced like in Baku. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, absolute bullshit penalty. Complete bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I, it, and just, I'm sorry to just absolutely go, go at this. Watch what happens. Gabriel steps in. Gabriel stands on his toes. That's what happens, right? But if you take a look at the VAR, which is what VAR is there for, he's already jumping before that happens because he knows Gabriel's yeah. coming in. So before he's even st- before he's had a chance to register that Gabriel stood on his toe, and we watch it in slow motion, it's think about your, your reactions. If you get hit with something, you don't just you go straight away. Again, I'm doing something that no one can watch. Um, and actually, subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, the, um, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the, He's already jumping. He, the motion for him to jump is already happening before Gabriel steps on his toes. Mm-hmm. So this it's bollocks. It's com- he's he's clearly dived, and it really pissed me off. And then the offside thing again, as you pointed out earlier, the lines are so thick you can't tell anyway. I mean, I I think it shouldn't have been even a question whether it's offside, but that's a, a separate discussion. But the penalty itself, which by the way was a a risky penalty, <laughs> I mean, spanks it. The it just pissed me off because I'm like, it's it's, yeah, it's so clearly a dive. Watch, how can you not watch the, the moment where his foot goes, where the foul happens and see his body shape is already jumping? It just baffles me. I think we had, uh, and coming soon, another Talking Points episode, an interesting conversation about certain rule changes and rule inclusions that might help the Premier League. Um, but one thing that I think has to become mandatory from next season is... Um, there, there has Arsenal start the, with the, fifty the, points. Everyone else, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Everyone else on minus fifty because we would still <laughs> bottle that league. Spurs on minus um, one hundred fifty. <laughs> but we, as a, there needs to be, um, how am I going to phrase this? There needs to be enough physical contact to garner the response. And if that physical contact does not garner the response, it is not a foul, whether it's contact in the box or not. Yeah. It's like, uh, I remember Salah getting a penalty for Liverpool against, um, I think it's City. And it's because they're like wrestling arms. And like, mm. maybe it's Rodri puts his arm over him, just like Salah's holding his arm out. And Salah goes down and gets a penalty because it's contact in the box, therefore affecting his shot. It is a contact sport. You are th- like... Like the Scott McTominay flick in the face for the disallowed goal against Son, right? Son has got his arms all over Scott McTominay in that. uh, And then McTominay puts his hand out and hits his face, right? You can just as much make the argument to disallow the goal as you can make the argument that you should play advantage because in the current set of rules, Son is fouling McTominay. There has to be a gear shift towards there having to be enough contact for the decision to be given. And if it's not, it's simulation and it's a yellow card. I also think that it should be, there should be rules brought in place. Like if you fake an injury and you are down for too long, like that Son moment where he's down for a ridiculous amount of time. It's an, again, it's another automatic booking. And if, if you're down for say maybe over two and a half minutes, you're automatically subbed. That's it. Or because if or, you can't get well, up after yeah. two and a half minutes, you can't continue the game. Yeah, and it will stop yeah. players doing this bullshit. It will. And you have to look at these moments and look at... Uh, it is embarrassing that the referee in that Son moment hasn't looked at the minimal amount of contact that's made with Son's face and seen him on the floor for four minutes and gone over and booked him for simulation. Because he is simulating an injury that doesn't exist. Mm. Just like... I don't know who won their penalty, whether it was um, Caballero, Dakota Reed or whoever. He simulated the jump before the contact. Yep. It's not a... That's and there, there has to be, there really has to be some massive rule changes within our sport because... And I know people take the piss when people say the game's gone, but it is getting to a point where people cannot even make... People can't even hold people off when they're being grappled 
for fear of having a yeah. perfectly good goal disallowed Contact because sport. a player's decided to roll around on the floor for four minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I also, I think you can tell when a refs when refs know they've made a mistake. So like Paulson, and again, it's Craig Paulson again, the same guy who refed the uh, Wolves game with David Luiz. Mm-hmm. Same dude. Um, and you know, I'm sure, sure he's a lovely bloke and has, you know, his. Very I don't think he family, has a choice but... but to give it though, because there is contact in the there is there is contact yeah. in the box. And it's also and it's the, all, it's the all, thing is, is there is a interpretation set. and you know it's it's, yeah. it's fucked. Um, so yeah, you can also tell when they feel bad because there was a few moments after they gave the penalty away uh, where the <laughs> my Apple Watch is telling me to breathe. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> there was also a moment where we gave away clear like two or three fouls afterwards and Paulson just waved it on because you know you know you you have it in the back of your mind oh whoops it was uh, I can't know. remember what red card it was was it I don't know if it was the Xhaka red card and then El Nenny literally pushes somebody in the face in the box yeah and or like just outside the box and he doesn't call it for a penalty but gives him a yellow card or something yeah. I, I can't Particular, yeah. but I know that that happened and like it's obvious and uh, the issue is is I feel sorry for the ref in this instance because there has been a precedent set by previous refs and because there is contact in the box even though minimal contact he has to give the penalty mm-hmm. the only dis- it, the only way that you could say he can't give the penalty is if it's offside because if he doesn't give the penalty Fulham fans are in an uproar because Mohamed Salah gets touched with a pinky like little little pinky finger and falls down like he's been sniped in the box. So it's yep. the rules that need changing to help these refs. And it's the refs that need changing because they're shit anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, then it just became yes. silly season. It just became the sort of half hour of like, we're chasing a game structure goes just get it in the box kind of thing if and again i don't want to squad building squad building we needed some kind of jingle for that it's a game where you bring on someone like a tammy abraham like it's a game where we because we don't have someone like that who can come on and you know get a flick on get it down in the box just be a bit scrappy a Giroud, sorry to say it but you know someone like a Giroud and mm-hmm. yeah and listen you know we had the moment with the pepe header which to be honest, is I felt was slightly lucky from Mariola. Like it was like, oh, no luck involved there. I was like, it is a little bit. It just hit him. Yeah, of um, it is. Saka was bright, um, and then we got the flick on, and we've we've talked through that. Um, annoying about Lacazette um, mm-hmm. with the with the injury, but again, as I, as I said at the beginning, it's it's a case of we've not had the game one, and then he's had to keep him exactly. On, so. He's had to keep him on. So so what can you do? Um, yeah, it just to be honest, that last sort of half hour became very um, blurry to me. It, it became just, very, it, just like, it became very FIFA like. Yeah, random people and... lashing the ball into the box and just trying whatever. And I also, I also feel in those situations we get so stupid and so and and, and yeah, players just like in that situation when you're trying to win a game like that, just hold on to the ball. Hold on to the ball. The opportunity. If you've got half an hour, as long as you hold on to the ball, the opportunities will come. And it felt like mm. we just, you know, like honestly, at that point, kept lumping it into the box, yeah, lumping it into the box, or giving it away, or giving away cheap fouls, or and it's just like, why are you doing that? You you know what we're trying to do here. It's aimless and pointless. <sighs> now I'll breathe. Apple Watch. Fucking hell. Now you breathe. Another five million on Inketia's price tag, though. So there's a plus. There's a stat that. Hang on, I'll find it for you. He's uh, where is he? At Inketia's score. Is it about th- his goals in like the six-yard box? Yeah, he scored thirteen goals for Arsenal with an average distance from goal of five point eight yards. <laughs> He's a tapping like yeah. that's his game. He's a poacher. That's, his game. that's like fair. Never get goals, mate. But uh, the thing about Inketia that annoys me though is that he wasn't sold in January. West Ham were interested in January. Now it looks like they're moving their interest to Tammy Abraham, who looks like he'll be available from Chelsea, who I think would be a great pickup for us if, you know, yep. we could make that deal happen or whatever. That's really good. But why wasn't he sold in January? Because 
from January to now, he's played something like 20 minutes of football. And I think it's things like this that just make no sense for me and the club because we're not opportunistic enough. We've had the option to sell him in January to West Ham. And okay, that might bolster their squad enough that they go on and get Champions League football. But we know we're fucking near it anyway. It's Mm. not going to affect us. Mm. But getting 20 mil from him in January rather than, or 15 mil or whatever, rather than letting another six months go off of his contract just makes no sense. And okay, you wouldn't have had him for this one tap-in moment. But realistically, should we have needed him? No. Bring on Balogun, for Christ's sake. He's just signed a, a long-term four-year deal, even though I, I don't think it's been announced yet, has it? No, but he was. I think he was the the the, the extra man with the squad, and he's 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 with the first team now. So, but uh, do you know what I mean? I it's do. more important to give do, him Brad. minutes than somebody that's going in the summer. I do. Like, I hear you, Brad. I hear you. It's okay. <laughs> it's gonna be all right. Anything else on the game, Bradley? Um. No. Oof, no. We'll see you after this. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news <laughs> and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, you can support us on Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links are in the show description. Lovely. One day, Brad, I'm just going to get you to present the whole thing. Like, I would never do as good a job as you, mate. No, Bradley. You are the, you are the, you like are the glue that holds this show together. Otherwise, it would just be pure tangents, together. FC. <laughs> I'd love to hear like, just the Bradley would. Adams podcast. I think that'd be really interesting. Where would you get to? <laughs> You'd start off talking about just talking to yourself. You'd start off on Arsenal. Just talking to myself. Talking about like window cleaning uh, the, in Quebec the, or something. Or like the rising water levels around <laughs> the Ecuadorian coast or something fucking stupid like that. I don't even know if Ecuador is... Is it a landlocked country? Does it even have a coast? Who knows? Brad, you don't need to know. you got your own podcast, mate. Uh, Arsenal are one of 12 clubs that reportedly agreed to join a breakaway European Super League with owner Stan Kroenke set to be on the board of the new competition. The New York Times says the founding members could make a formal announcement about their plans in the next 24 hours before UEFA ratifies changes to the existing format of the Champions League tomorrow. Uh, UEFA put out a statement basically saying, nope, and you won't be allowed to compete in the Premier League, you won't be allowed to compete in all sorts of stuff. Um, World Cups, all of this stuff. FA have come out and said absolutely not as well. Uh, and you basically... it's fucking disgraceful yeah so here's just very quickly because uh, I, I know you've got things to say on this one Brad it's not going to happen buckle up boys just buckle to say up. and, I, up, and I, I'm, I will happily take the flack when that doesn't happen because no you're not telling me that players clubs and owners and, and you're going to get enough people to agree to a situation where players don't play in the Premier League don't play at World Cups don't play like come on no chance but the worrying thing about this is something like Stan Kroenke being the chairman of this. The worrying thing about mm. this is clubs even having the idea. The worrying thing about this is clubs, because if this doesn't work, something else will. I don't think this iteration will happen, but I think in a couple of years, I think in however... There could be another move. Maybe they'll even be in this format with the slightly shifted thing. It will at some point get agreed. Wenger said in 2018, it will not be long until Premier League matches are played midweek in favour for weekend fixtures of a European Super League. But like you say, it's money. It is money grabbing. It's which is why you 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 look at the clubs that are doing it. You've got Kroenke. You've got Florentino Perez. You've got Abramovich. You've got Joe Lewis. You've got. Um, John Henry and FSG, you've got Who's Joe the Glaciers. Joe Lewis is the owner of Tottenham. All right. All of these people who are who are known to be just absolute money grabbers. And the thing is, is this will make them some money. They'll they'll make money for three years, but what it will do is it will financially fuck the entire rest of the football league. Because Sky Sports aren't going to pay the the money that they're currently paying to show the Premier League if Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Man City, Man United and Liverpool aren't in it. 
that's going to fuck every, and it will have the most unbelievable trickle-down effect where clubs, like, if you even look at clubs that started the Football League, like fucking Blackburn Rovers and Preston, could go bankrupt because of the the, the financial trickle-down effect this will have. It is disgraceful from these clubs that they have even thought about doing this. And for me, it now pushes me to a place where I think now is the time where Premier League clubs should be mandated and forced to have a minimum 25% or 49% ownership of the fans. It should be you no longer can autonomously own a football club, like in Germany. Because at the end of the day, I've not met or spoken to or seen a single football fan that wants this. No one wants this. The only people that want this are the people that are going to benefit financially. And it's it's just a fucking disgrace. I just, I honestly, the fact that it's even getting to this stage and that people like Stan Kroenke and Joe Lewis and... John Henry think that this is going to be accepted by people is fucking ridiculous. Well said, mate. Well said, mate. <laughs> Get them all out. If you know the video, video I'm referencing there, well done. Um, yeah, listen, uh, I, I, I think an interesting component of this, just to kind of come back on that, I completely stand by what you just said. Um, I think an interesting component is like, for example, the pushback from, I think, French clubs and German clubs. I could be wrong. Certainly the German clubs. There's a weirdly, <laughs> excuse my sort of potted history here. There's a really democratic. Uh, so, for example, German theatre. So we're both um, actors. German theatre is very democratic. And I think there was something around potentially post-war. There was I don't, I don't particularly know, but basically the 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 hierarchies in Germany are very, very different, and I think that's where you see um, fan ownership a lot more. Um, I think that's where you see sort of um, yeah the the way German clubs are structured is quite different. You see a lot more sort of fan involvement in in, that, in the way the clubs are run. I think that difference in culture has led way to this. Um, and what's a shame is that I think in English like kind of English football culture, the more we don't bail out clubs like Berry, the more we don't help each other and see how the the gap widening, like for example, like Celtic and Rangers, you don't want to end up in a situation where one club just dominates. It's boring. It's boring. And then club and then TV will leave, fans will get bored. You want healthy, healthy competition. You you have to understand if you're a team in a in a um in any any type of league where you're the only team that is successful, you're the only team that's you know seen as kind of in some way you know moving forward. You you completely batter the competition and you let everyone go and you know you're the only team and that's great and that's where we want to go. It's not going to help you, I promise, because you'll be at the top, you'll win every single season. The other clubs will fall away. We have to help each other. We have to. We simply have to. And this kind of this kind of idea of removing yeah elitism elitism in the in the sport from these really rich guys is just going to do it's going to have the exact same effect those clubs will leave the other clubs won't have the the money or the interest they'll fall away and then you have a load of clubs competing in a league that you can't get relegated from which will be boring anyway do you know what i mean it's it's just it it's such a that's why the mls is so idea. shit yeah that's why the mls is so so shit it's honestly, it fucking baffles me that a bunch of Americans can't see why their own league system is so shit. And then they want to introduce that with European clubs. There is nothing to play for in the MLS. So there is no jeopardy. There's no excitement. Like I, I'm, I've, I've never been a fan involved with a club uh, that um, has been in a relegation scrap. So I can't attest to season. what that's like. <laughs> Might have been this season. But I remember, I can't remember what year it was. That on the final day of the season, Arsenal needed to win. I can't remember who we needed to beat, but to beat Tottenham to top four. Was it Newcastle? It was a long time. scored. Maybe it was a long time ago. Okay. I, it was before I was eight. I, I like it was way. It was at okay, least was kind of. We're talking recent. like eight, eight, nine years ago. We're talking a long time ago because it was before I was eighteen. And I remember because I um. I didn't have the ability to stream things then because I think that's come a lot 
along in the last kind of seven, eight years. Um, my family didn't have Sky Sports. I remember sitting there for 90 minutes in front of Sky Sports News because it was free. And that's how I could watch and consume football content and going fucking ballistic when Arsenal won. And we we got we 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 had our St. Tottering Spur day and we got above them and we got Champions League football on the final day of the season. That's the exciting part of this mm-hmm. is there is jeopardy. There is something to play for. Mm-hmm. European football shouldn't be a regular commodity. No. It is something special and reserved. So we can have these moments of back in the day, Cristiano Ronaldo coming up against um, oh God knows who in the Champions League for Man United and scoring wonderful free kicks. And you have Lionel Messi schooling Jerome Boateng against Bayern Munich. And you have Bayern Munich then last year thumping Barcelona Mm, and all of these glorious moments. And this is what will happen. If we go for it, it'll be fun for about two years and then we'll be used to it and then we'll be bored. And by that point, Mm. it will have done irrevocable damage to the footballing structure in this country. And football, as we know it, will be dead. It just will. Well, we can can trace this back as far as we want to letting Abramovich come into this country and spend his oil millions on whatever and not regulating the Saudis and not regulating all of these people. But football in this country will be dead as we know it. It will never be the same again. And even if we go away for two years and then it comes back, it will have still done enough damage to keep the six clubs that have gone away so far up on their perch that no one will ever be able to challenge them for as long as the Football League exists. Yeah. And that's just fucking stupid. Yeah. Because the whole point is we want every anyone to beat anyone. We want fucking... I don't want it as an Arsenal fan, but as a Burnley fan, you want to have those moments where you score 1-0 at the Emirates and even though it's a shitty own goal and Aubameyang heads it in, you know, mm, you, you want it. those moments. I think what you said about Jeopardy is so true. I think, like, not to get too wanky, but, like, football is about narrative, right? Football is all about... Who's going to come out? Who's going to, you know, what lineup is he going to put out? What's the, how does this game fit into our season? That's what, that's what we discussed. The reason it's so brilliant is it's, it's a story. Everyone loves that from moments, from, from being, you know, cavemen, we sat around campfires and told stories. That's what we do as humans. And if there's, if there's no narrative and in every narrative you have ever seen, ever, every film you've ever watched, every bit of music you've ever enjoyed, there is conflict. There is some kind of wrestling with something. If you create this elitist thing, all you will do is remove that conflict, remove that jeopardy, and you will remove the narrative and it will become boring and it will financially, as you say, cast trap everyone. And I think to kind of, I agree with you as we know it, I think what would happen is, you know, you'd go back local, clubs would build up again, you'd have some kind of similar system, but that would take years and people would lose their interest. And, and, and ratings would go and you know it takes for the for the premier league to get to where they are right now and this is why they don't want them to go because they know this would just destroy yeah but but the clubs you know ultimately who holds the power in these situations the cronkies the 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 the, Mm. the abramoviches those kind kind of characters but i think don't bite the hand that feeds you. The reason you're there is the Premier League is such a brilliant product. Don't bite the hand, the yeah, hand that feeds you. Yeah, I think I think it's unbelievably naive. It's unbelievably it's a cash grab naive for three or four years, as you of, said. Of course, but th- but this is what I mean. It's unbelievably naive for these businessmen because they'll make a shitload of money for two or three years. Maybe it isn't. And then, then they get the money and they leave. And they sell the clubs. Yeah, and... but where? But but will they? Kroenke is known as a man who keeps this for generational wealth. Abramovich is, uh, and and where will it leave the clubs that they that they hold and they handle? Where will it leave those clubs? What situation will it leave an Arsenal in if he goes over to that league that we get absolutely pumped by every team in that league, but we get a, a fair bit of money, but then he sells it, takes it all, and leaves? Where does that leave us? It is incredibly naive by a lot of these owners to think that one fans would support it, that two it would even work in practice because it may work for a short time, but people are fickle. And the reason that the Premier League is so great is because anything can happen in any season. Glorious moments like Leicester winning the league, 
brilliant moments as a Chelsea fan, well, for Chelsea fans, like when they finish 10th and then Conte comes in and they win the league the next season. Phenomenal moments, winning a European uh, Cup, like drog that Drogba last minute header, you know, the heartbreak of being an Arsenal fan when that second goal goes stories, in in 2006. The stories, all these things. The fact that all of these moments and stories can happen, that we can talk about, that we can reminisce on, think about the glory days of Arsenal and the Patrick Vieiras and the Henri's are the things that breathe life into football. What they are talking about creating is utterly lifeless because it's taking special moments and diluting them. Yep. Brad, we'll finish as we always do with Arsenal trivia. We asked you last week, the motto of the club has long been Victoria Concordia Crescit. Latin for what, Brad? You want me to give the answer? Go on. Victory through harmony. Oh, he's done it. He's done it. Very good. Do you know your Latin? Big Latin fan? No. I Not did Latin. I went, to, <laughs> I went to a grammar school for my sins. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we learnt Latin. And all I can remember is Caecilius est in horto, which means Caecilius is in the garden. That's your useless fact of the day. Uh, next week's trivia. Arsenal uh, appeared on the very first radio broadcast of a football match on the 22nd of January in what year? Arsenal uh, was the first English league match to be broadcast live on radio on the 22nd of January in what year? Our match in Highbury against Sheffield United. All right, Brad. Pleasure. All right, mate. That was good. I feel like you got something out of your system there. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, mate, this Super League shit is pissing me off. Fuck Kroenke, fuck John Henry, fuck all of them. Absolute wankers. Should we create, as I said at the beginning, should we create the Super super Knock podcast? I don't know what that would yeah, be. Super knock. How would we how would we create that? We'd need like we we would just do less but charge for it. Yeah, just <laughs> just to get all of the podcasters together on one podcast and all talk over each other. That's that's just the, no. What we would do is we would just this. ask every like we'd get every Arsenal Twitter person to just send us a voice note of one word and then we just play it play that. <laughs> Play like an amalgamation of that for 30 seconds and then charge you £15 to listen to it. <laughs> Sounds That's good. I'm in. If it makes yeah. me money. Fuck it. Why That's all not? I care about. Oh, God. All right, Brad. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. Right, fella. And we will see you after the Everton game. On Friday. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.